0: family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else I feel like talking about I'm your host Britt Cannon and this week I wanted to title this episode the U.S. as a sociopath but when I said that to my partner, the look on her face was like, mm, maybe not. So I might be calling it that. I might not be calling it that. It might be more about the dawn of fascism or like the the culmination of fascism in America. It might be about hope. Um, once again, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I definitely am going to talk about how the U.S. is a sociopath and how fascism is real and it's here and it's now. Uh, but I also want to get into some personal stuff. So before I do, I just want to welcome all the new listeners. I've been seeing a lot of growth recently and it makes me feel really grateful and really like, I don't know. This is just such a labor of love. And every time I have like even one more listen, per week, it just like really lights me up and it keeps me motivated. And so I just want to welcome you to the beautiful soul family. <laughs> and, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to hang out with me and spend some time. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at walk on underscore pod. You can email me any questions, concerns, uh, like Prompts for things to talk about. If you have something that you'd like me to cover that I haven't yet, or whatever, you can email me at walkonmychildgmail.com. At and yeah, I just want to say that I really appreciate you being here, especially as my life continues to transition. So a couple weeks ago, I skipped last week. A couple weeks ago I talked about how I got a new job and how it's been really hard for me to like find time to record the podcast. It's a nannying job, and for a second I was like, oh, maybe I can like get a more portable setup and record while the baby's sleeping. Because obviously, when you nanny a baby, there's a lot a little bit of downtime in between the chores that the family asks you to do while you're there. And so I was looking forward to that, and then it turns out one of the parents is going to be working from home. So I can't exactly like record a podcast. (laughs) So that brings me to my point, (laughs) which is that I have been feeling so hopeless and it's really not like me. I mentioned a couple episodes ago, like I used to call myself a chronic optimist where I was like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. What kind of like disorder I have or like, Issue or like grandeurs of delusion or whatever is going on with me that I'm just like always optimistic. Like I, no matter how bad life is, I can see the silver lining and it's getting on my nerves. Like I, (laughs) chronic optimism. Like even when I want to stop, I can't. But y'all, I am losing it. (laughs) I am losing it. I have become so... I don't want to say nihilistic because I'm not a nothing matters type of person. I'm more of like an absurdist where I'm just like, life is a cosmic joke. The universe has a sick sense of humor. And if you, if the opportunity to get fucked is there in the cards, I will get fucked. You know what I mean? Like literally and figuratively. Um, It's just, it's like so bad, it's funny. And that's sort of my where i'm at that's my philosophy i really love the absurdists um but i really used to be more like altruistic and like wide-eyed and and hopeful and i think that leftist politics like needs a dose of hope like you can't you're fighting for a future that you may never see you have to have hope And I feel dried the fuck up. I feel miserable. I feel defeated. I feel like depressed that I've had to go back to work, that like my things I've been working on for two years haven't panned out, that jobs are (sighs) refusing to pay a living wage, that everything has gone freelance. And when you're a freelancer, it's just like abuse me is tattooed on your forehead. Like, because you're not an official employee, companies don't have to take as good a care of you or like pay you what the job really is worth or, you know, it's just like set up to fail. On top of that, my, the building I live in is like falling apart around me. It's like infested with roaches, which is like, if you've ever dealt with this, it is a nightmare. It is so fucking gross. I'm having to like be paranoid about all my electronics because I, Lord knows I can't afford to replace them. If those little fuckers get in there and the, the super and the building and the company isn't doing anything about it. It's just getting worse and worse and worse through no fault of my own. Like I keep a clean fucking house. I am a cleaner. I'm a stress cleaner. I love to clean. Cleaning is one of my passions in life. I did it for work for a while. Like I totally enjoy it. Um, I do not mind doing dishes. I like, I keep a clean house and it's just beyond my control and I've done everything I could possibly do. So my partner and I were like looking for a new place. Like, let's just break the fucking lease and get the fuck out of here. Cause this is a nightmare. And, uh, the rent is too goddamn high. What they are charging for these dumps in New York city is just like criminal. So life has been hard. And, and because of that, like it puts stress on, on yourself and your mental health and your, it's just like on top of COVID and like monkeypox and the shootings, it's just like, and I know every single episode for the past like two months has started off like this. And so I'm very sorry. I really appreciate you continuing to tune in, (laughs) but let's just be real. Like, I think that part of being spiritual at least from my perspective is being able to look at the darkness being able to look at what's wrong like I think a lot of spiritual people to and myself included I used to do this all the time like you are so focused on the love and light that you like ignore the poo and the pee you know you're just like I'm not gonna look at that yes it's there but I'm not gonna address it I'm just gonna focus on the positive and like there is something to that especially when you're currently in a tough situation like it is really you know gratitude is the attitude like it's so important to be able to like ground yourself in the positive and what you are grateful for and what you do have but to ignore what's wrong is just gonna you're just delaying the inevitable fallout you know what I mean you're just like (laughs) you're just avoiding you're spiritually bypassing and those problems anyone who's dealt with addiction knows that once you're sober again those problems are still there waiting for you. In fact, they're probably even bigger than they were when you went on your bender. And I, so I feel like even though it it feels heavy and it feels negative, like it is important to just look at the reality of a, of a situation and be able to say this fucking sucks or being able, being, being able to complain, but on the flippity flip side of that coin, um, I have been a real brat and a half. Um, I just like, I, the other day I was walking my dog with my partner and I was like, I don't believe dreams come true anymore. (laughs) And and she got really sad because like, I, I have been fighting to be like a professional musician, like a full-time musician since I was three goddamn years old. And I believed in it so hard and I just don't anymore. I'm so tired. I'm old not too old, mind you, like, I understand, like, there is no age limit, no matter what white supremacist, capitalist, et says, like, there's no such thing as too old, there's no such thing as too late, I know this, but it's just like, I'm tired, I think there is such a thing as too tired, and I'm too goddamn tired, and so I've just been down in the dumps, and then I start feeling disconnected from my spirituality. I'm not reading the astrology anymore. I'm not paying attention to anything. I'm not looking for signs. I saw like 2,000 white feathers (laughs) last week and I didn't even, I wasn't even moved. I was just like, whatever, like fuck off. And then my partner finds a book in the lobby. You know how like in, in apartment buildings, like sometimes people will leave stuff in the lobby that they're like giving away And we found this book that's called Meshka the Kvetch, which is about (laughs) Meshka who is just kvetching all the time. She's just complaining, complaining, complaining about this and that and this and that. And she develops this thing called kvetch's itch and a wise rabbi comes around and tells her the only way to deal with Kvech's itch is to be grateful for what you have so like she's complaining her daughter doesn't see her enough and she's like i'm so grateful my busy daughter finds any time to hang out with me and and her son is lazy and she's like i'm so glad my son is like sweet or like you know whatever just <laughs> looking for the gratitude and it's so funny because it's just like there is the absurdity of the universe right like the universe just leaves me a little clue that I am the problem or that at least I hold the keys to the solution of my own attitude. It's like, if you look at what can you control in a situation, you can control your own attitude. You know, you cannot always control the outside circumstance. In fact, you rarely can, but if you can parse out what I can control, what I can do about this and what is, what can't I then you just let what you can't go and you control what you can. And this is important in the face of the the culmination of fascism or the U.S.'s sociopathy and um, complete disregard for its people and for other people in the world and the fact that it's founded on genocide and murder and slavery and it's just bad fucking news and deserves to fall at any moment. Like, please, God, please let it fall at any moment. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we need hope. We need hope. We need gratitude. We need solidarity. We need good fucking vibes. We need to look at. Oops, I just hit my microphone. <laughs> we need to look at what's wrong, and and address it, and integrate it, and work on fixing it. You know, we can't just like ignore, ignore, ignore but we also need to find joy and hope and solidarity and peace and that needs to come from the inside of ourselves as much as it comes from the outside and this is what i am currently working on like yes working sucks yes i am working way more hours than i initially agreed to yes this is getting increasingly inconvenient and i am finding less and less time for my personal projects which was the whole reason I took this job in the first place is because I thought that I would have time to work on my personal stuff. Um, So nothing is working out like I thought it would or hoped it would or even was told it would. But at least I have money. (laughs) And I'll just have to fit the rest in where I can, you know? And that sucks, but that's the reality of being poor in America. So... Without further ado, I want to get into a couple lists here. So, first of all, if we're talking about fascism. So, I found this list. Some of you have maybe seen it in, like, the leftist circles. So, this list is by Lawrence Britt. No relation to Britt Cannon, LOL. (laughs) Um, And it's called The 14 Characteristics of Fascism. So, uh, this Dr. Lawrence Britt is a political scientist who wrote an article about it, about fascism and broke it down into these 14 points. So one is powerful and continuing nationalism. Fascism regimes tend to make constant use of patriotic mottos, slogans, symbols, songs and other paraphernalia. Flags are seen everywhere as are flag symbols on clothing and in public displays. I find this really interesting because. Um, Someone who I follow on Twitter posted a tweet once that was like, How come I feel the same like anxiety when I see an American flag as I do when I see a Confederate flag? And that's because, you know, it's less you're less likely to see a liberal person or someone who's like more safe to the marginalized. Not that liberal people are across the board, but they're not as outright hateful as you know, right-wing conservatives, you're less likely to see them flying an American flag. Like the nationalism is a sign of the fascism. And I talked about this, like, I think it was in the white supremacist capitalist, heteropatriarchy episode. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear more, but like nationalism is the number one, like surefire sign that fascism is, is, uh, I want to use the word blooming, but that's like too positive a word. It's like infesting. Take a cue from the roaches. (laughs) Um, It's on the rise. And it's, you know, that's how fascists signal to each other that they share beliefs. And also, you know, if you think about America's place in the world, and also how Americans are educated and indoctrinated, like the Pledge of Allegiance is a big sign of this like it's so fucking creepy that we stand up and do that put our little hands on our hearts every day all the way through school and I didn't find out until middle school that I was I could say no that I could sit down and so I, I started to I was like I'm not I'm not pledging allegiance to no fucking body but um, you know it's just like part of the of the dealio and we're taught all the way through school like wrong versions of history which was why that whole movement to get critical race theory in schools was such a big fucking deal because that's how education is how you combat like white supremacy in people, right? You expose them to other experiences. You make them look at the poo and the pee. If you don't look at it, if you just ignore it, it's going to ruin your goddamn floors. Like (laughs) you have to look at it. You have to address it. You have to know what happened. That's what that cliche, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Like That is the... Slogan for generational trauma, and that is the slogan for, you know, (laughs) empires getting power, exploiting people, conquering and murdering and pillaging, and then falling. Because, usually because economic disparity gets too extreme, and the poors get angry and they fight back. And this is happening in other places in the world. Uh, I was reading about Ecuador this week, where they're, like, currently overthrowing their government. Uh it's happening. You know, there are lots places that are feeling the effects of climate change now are starting to have these like revolutionary moments because people are miserable. They can't get their, their needs met. They aren't being taken care of. And when people get hungry and hot and have to fight for resources, you know, they're going to turn on the people who are hoarding them. Um, Hopefully in America, we won't just turn on each other. We'll like actually turn on the people who are doing this to us. But that nationalism is like, you know, we're taught that we're the greatest country in the world. Like how often do you hear that in school? Like we're the greatest, most freest, most wealthiest, most bestest country in the world. It's like sure jan <laughs> and literally unless you seek out other perspectives you don't know that that's not true you don't know that everyone in the world doesn't respect us you don't know that we're actually perpetuating colonization and like backing uh attempts to destabilize other countries and like exploiting Certain places for their resources, like, and we're 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 the bad guys. Like, but you don't understand that. And that's because of the indoctrination with nationalism towards fascism. Number two, disdain for the recognition of human rights. Because of fear of enemies and the need for security, the people in fascist regimes are persuaded that human rights can be ignored in certain cases because of need. The people tend to look the other way or even approve of torture, summary executions, assassinations, long incarcerations of prisoners, etc. So disdain for recognition of human rights. Hmm. Huh. I I seem to recall a couple examples of that in recent history. Hmm, what is it? What is it? What is it? Oh right. <laughs> what the fucking Supreme Court is doing. There we go. Rights being stripped away, left and right. Like a whole party whose platform, you know, subsists on exactly this, on, on the white replacement theory, on preying on the xenophobia, the white supremacy, the fear of straight cis white america telling them you know your rights are going to get taken away like it's that thing of where if you're used to privilege equality feels like oppression and so the last like 10 12 years for this group of people for the jordan petersons of the world for the joe rogan's of the world um and for the like mitch mcconnell's of the world (laughs) this moment in time this evolution has felt like oppression because it's the first time they've been asked to like make space for anyone else to consider anyone else and to them it feels like an attack like it's an attack to use someone's proper pronouns it's an attack to not spread misinformation it's an attack to (laughs) just like not want to exterminate queer people um and and that's that it's because of they don't believe certain people deserve human rights because they feel like those people getting human rights is taking something away from them, and the truth is it is it's taking power away and power over away. They hold less standing in society if if everyone has more of a fair share and like i I've heard this in so many spaces like I told this story before, but I have a friend who's a writer who is a white dude and he writes stories about white dudes. And one day his publisher was like, can you write anything else? Cause like people don't want to read about white dudes right now. And he was like, well, poor me. <laughs> it's so hard to be a white dude writer. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> sorry about it. Um, number three, identification of enemies slash scapegoats as a unifying cause. This goes a hand in hand with the one I just talked about. The people are rallied into a unifying patriotic frenzy over the need to eliminate a perceived common threat or foe racial, ethnic or religious minorities, liberals, communists, socialists, terrorists. Do I even need to go into detail on this one? Like so obvious, like this is happening right now. It's happening extremely. It's happening very scarily. And the highest court in the land is like, on board is operating in this way. And the democratic leadership has no interest in standing up for anyone. They're just like twiddling their thumbs being like, doo, do to do nothing to be done. Like <laughs> better send out more fundraising emails. It's like, bitch, I am not giving you any money. Do your job. Supremacy of the military. Even when there are widespread domestic problems, COVID uh, economic issues uh defunding schools. <laughs> um, need I go on? The military is given a disproportionate amount of government funding and the domestic agenda is neglected. Soldiers and military service are glamorized. We've seen this happen over and over again with like I always think of my grandmother who <laughs> like is a little bit psychic, but also like has lived a long time and has like seen the patterns of politics. Many times over, and when Baby Bush elbowed his way into the presidency, I won't even say he won the election because he didn't. When he stole the presidency, he she was like, "Watch, now we're going to go to war, and we did." Like, um, they even if there isn't a current situation where the military like needs to be bolstered or like given all of our money or whatever they will create one or lie about it to get us involved in something because the military is like <laughs> the world police and along with that police are part are like you know the cousin of the military and so if you look at even the budget of a city like New York um which is like overwhelmingly liberal our mayor just sucked millions of dollars from education and fed it into the police budget even though like what do they even do besides make things worse every single day (laughs) and everyone was making such a big fuss about kids in school and and he's like defunding education in order to fund the police when you know, overwhelmingly people are wanting police defunded because they're not doing anything. They don't do any good. It's just like in that I don't know how to sit, pronounce the like town, the city in Texas where the shooting happened, like classic police to stand outside and not go in because they're scared of a guy with a gun, but like if a 13-year-old kid <laughs> is playing with a toy gun, they don't know the difference and they just like open fire and murder him, like, get your shit together, what the fuck, and this is, like, you know, being a white trash person, this, we hate the police, like, white trash people, for the most, if you have sketchy relatives, like, you know the disdain and the fear of the police is real, and I really grew up (laughs) with the mentality of, like, snitches get stitches, like, you don't call the cops, and, um, they are antagonistic in like low income communities. And then even more so towards black and Brown communities. Um, And I knew that growing up, like anytime the police were called, they either just stood around or made things exponentially worse with their presence and their misogyny and their like inability to do anything. And there've been many times in my life where like something scary was going down and the police showed up and they were like, "Well, unless something really happens, meaning someone gets hurt or killed, there's nothing we can do." Like they're just <laughs> just stand around. And I found this sorry you can hear every single move I make I'm using a new microphone and it is or like microphone setup and you can hear it all, baby. <laughs> My chair is creaking, and it is in the podcast. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh, I read a thread about all the shootings that have happened and how long it took the police to respond. At Pulse in Florida, it took them three hours to enter the building. Think of all the people they could have saved, but didn't. Um, Rampant sexism the governments of fascist nations tend to be almost exclusively male dominated under fascist regimes. Tradi- traditional, gender roles are made more rigid. Opposition to abortion is high as is homophobia and anti-gay legislation and national policy. Again, need I elaborate? Like like proof meat pudding, there it motherfucking is, like that's fascism, dude, that's not patriotism, that's not fucking Jesus, Jesus wasn't a fascist, Jesus was an anarchist, like Jesus opposed Roman rule, he was flipping tables in, uh, in temples of where like (laughs) religious leaders were we're putting profits over like not profits like people, but profits as in money over like the integrity of what they were teaching. He was not for the capitalism, and or it wasn't called that yet. But you know, he wasn't for like profits over people. He wasn't for what's the word I'm looking for? Um, exploitation or corruption in religion or like in government that's why he hung out with the rejected and downtrodden i just like don't think i mean obviously we all are aware that white conservative christianity capitalist christianity is not the same thing as the teachings of jesus and that's been talked to death but like there is there is really no justification for these policies other than you're just a fucking fascist, dude. Be real. Um, controlled mass media. Sometimes the media is directly controlled by the government, but in other cases, the media... I lost my place, hang on. ...is indirectly controlled by government regulation or sympathetic media spokespeople and executives. Censorship, especially in wartime, is very common. Now, I feel like this is, like, obviously we have, like, Fox News. You know what I mean? (laughs) And Tucker Carlson's ventriloquist dummy-looking ass, his fucking bow ties, spouting his hatred because his mommy didn't love him. Um, We know about that. That's extreme, you know? That's, like... The sole purpose of that is to spread misinformation and to, uh, spur on the hatred and the fear of, like, white people in America, conservative white people, um, but, and they, they may have someone on who has a differing opinion, but, like, it's not to, it's just, like, the debate bros, um, you know, like, fucking, what's that guy who can't get his wife's see what (laughs) is it Ben Shapiro uh you know they they like pretend to be these like great debaters or whatever um or like they hold these sort of bad faith attempts at (sighs) debating but it's just like when a conservative person like comments on one of my posts and they like they always get mad at me for not engaging but it's like you aren't here This isn't a conversation. Like, you're not here to learn or change your mind or, like, open your heart to me. You're here to troll me. Like, you don't have any good intentions in this interaction. And it's not that I'm afraid of you. It's just that I am firmly opposed to wasting my fucking time. Like I'm not going to do it. Um, I used to do it a lot until I realized like there's no getting anywhere with these people. Like they genuinely don't care and they don't have any stake in the fight. Like they, they, all they have is like the fear of losing power, but they don't, they're not emotionally invested and they love getting people who are emotionally invested, upset. Like that's what they're there for. They're there for for lack of a better word, the like energetic narcissistic supply of upsetting someone else of making someone else feel upset or like triggered, you know, and I'm not going to do it. Like I'm not, I'm not dumb. You know, I, that's like an ableist term. I understand, but you know what I mean? I'm not foolish. Like I, I go where my grass is watered and I don't feel the need to like show off in debating someone and when i see people do it i'm like that doesn't even like inspire me or make me feel good like i just would rather not see i would rather people delete those kinds of comments from their posts so like people marginalized people wouldn't even have to see it i don't know if that's like right or wrong but that's how i feel about it um but then on the other side of it like i feel like the more liberal leaning media is either like truly moderate like they are not on the left at all or even something like WNYC or NPR who is like a little bit more left-leaning they still have this like truly to use Fox News' slogan <laughs> truly fair and balanced like way of doing things where they give everyone a chance and they'll like they will tell all the sides of the story and while I get that from like a journalistic integrity standpoint I think it is like we don't, the left doesn't have a media outlet. Well, except for maybe John Oliver, God bless him. Um, who doesn't do that, you know, who doesn't give a platform and who just like rails against anyone who disagrees with them. And, um, and sometimes I feel like we kind of need that. Like, I don't need to hear the other side. I know the other side, you know what I mean? Like they are yelling and screaming constantly. They're trolling on the internet. Like, they're shooting up public places like do we really need to hear from them anymore speaking of needing to hear from anyone anymore (laughs) we're gonna take a little break for some ads see you in a second bye brought to you by the haunted mind of brit cannon a walk-on production flight of the final girl A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. Run. Don't walk. It's flight of the final girl. Anywhere books are sold. Welcome back. Um... The next one is obsession with national na- uh, obsession with national security. That's a lot of sh sounds, and any longtime listeners know that I turn into Sean Connery real fucking quick <laughs> if I have too many sh sounds in a sentence. shh sounds in a sentence obsession with national security fear is used as a motivational tool by the government over the masses i mean if they it's like that um, that law after 9/11 like martial law you know where where they're like if we if we sense a threat like we can tap your phones we can bust into your house you have to feed us you have to you know give us a place to rest like we're allowed access to you Completely, just because of like the threat of attack or whatever. And so a lot of times they will like lobsters in a pot, you know, or frogs in a pot, I think is the, <laughs> the real analogy. Like they'll just keep turning up the heat, turning up the heat. You get used to that level. Then they turn it up some more. You get used to that level. Then they turn it up some more. And I feel like for members of the spice girls generation um, we've been living with this for a long time like we we've seen it happen over and over again how like the threat level goes to a certain point and then it doesn't really ever go down again or once they put certain things into effect they're always in effect i mean now they can be even sneakier about it cuz they just throw up a like you know, before you buy this app, agree to the terms and conditions clause in the that contract that you sign when you download an app. And there it is. They have access to all your data. So now it doesn't have to be as like overt as as it used to, but it still happens. And if they can keep you afraid, and I don't mean like in terms of COVID, I, I feel like the government has largely downplayed the threat of COVID because they, when nobody, when only the essential workers were working, um, they had to support us and they really don't want to do that. Like it kind of halted capitalism in a way. And it really had people like disconnect from the capitalist matrix for a second. And, and people really got their priorities straight in a way that only leads itself to communism and <laughs> doesn't really lend itself to capitalism and it's been like pulling teeth getting people to go back to name because they got a taste of the sweetness of not being exploited for their labor and um, and so you know I'm not talking about fear in that way I'm talking about fabricated fear or like fear you know like sort of like fear like I'm talking about with white people like this white replacement theory or like the attack on trans people right now where they're like fear for your lives like trans people are dressing up as not their assigned gender so they can like sneak in bathrooms and attack you it's like no that's not If somebody wants to attack you, they're not going to go through all that fucking effort. You know what I mean? People get attacked all the time. And it's usually someone you know. And, like, more often than not, like, the stranger in the bushes thing doesn't really fucking happen that much. And overwhelmingly, like, sexual assaults are by someone you know, someone who's close to you, or someone who's groomed you in a way that doesn't involve, like, Mrs. firing. Like, these are these are tropes it's the same thing of like you know queer people are groomers like these are these are arguments that have homophobic transphobic fucking hateful bigoted arguments that have been around forever like this is not new but it is a really convenient way to manipulate people into voting the way you want them to vote because you make them afraid. You make them afraid of the other, you other someone else and you call that thing bad and and you just prey on that and that's what they're doing. Um religion and government are intertwined. I mean, do I even have to read the description? <laughs> Governments in fascist nations tend to use the most common religion in the nation as a tool to manipulate pub- public opinion religious rhetoric and terminology is common from government leaders even when the major tenets of the religion are diametrically opposed to the government's policies or actions bam bitch happening right now current news <laughs> update it's happening Um, Corporate corporate power is protected. The industrial and business aristocracy of a fascist nation are often the ones who put the government leaders into power, creating a mutually beneficial business-slash-government relationship and power elite. Let's talk for a second about climate change. Because why haven't like the the technology is out there. Solar panels exist, wind power exists, water power exists. We have we have access to renewable resources of energy. We have the ability to change over at any time. And yet, the government refuses to make policy to do this. They refuse to make the change necessary to the infrastructure and why? Well, <laughs> the because the people who donate to the to the campaigns of Republicans are oil tycoons. Like, it's not rocket science people um and that's not even just that's not even just democrat i mean (laughs) oh my god it's like a freudian slip that happened twice it's not even just republicans this is democrats too like there's no good guy in this conversation because they're all owned by corporations there's no good guy in this situation because these are capitalists running the country and like they should be working for us they should be fighting for and striving for and making policy for our best interests and they aren't they are out for themselves they're out for their Own money, they're out for their own power, and that's why every time there's a tragedy, you get an email from Nancy fucking Pelosi in your inbox being like, I need your money, I need more money again, give me more money again. It's like, get to work, mama, do something. If I was this bad at my job, I would get fired. Fuck off. (laughs) Labor power is suppressed because the organizing power of labor is the only real threat to a fascist government labor unions are either eliminated entirely or severely suppressed i mean we've seen like we've seen a movement towards unionization the likes of which we haven't seen in some time but you see the pushback you know you see the way that any kind of like left-leaning protest is policed and and relatively violently at that And yet the Proud Boys can march on a drag brunch and nothing happens to them. They walk away fine, you know? (laughs) The police are just like, thank you very much, sir, have a good day. So there is progress being made with unions, but it is a fight and a half. And it's, like, wild because it's, like, the same thing with abortion, same thing with gay marriage. It's, like, we we made a certain amount of progress like there was a point where someone was like everyone hello yes unions are necessary (laughs) and very important and still there are people arguing like no they're not trying to take us back in time and it's like i thought we already decided on this but that's fascism for you they don't give a fuck disdain for intellectuals and the arts Fascist nations tend to promote and tolerate open hostility to higher education and academia. It is not uncommon for professors and other academics to be censored or even arrested. Free expression in the arts is openly attacked and governments often refuse to fund the arts. Um, you know, this sort of reminds me of not, it's not art necessarily, but intellectuals how right now the climate scientists are going ham. They are getting arrested left and right. They are gluing themselves to paintings. They are spray painting gallery floors with no new oil. They are out there doing the damn thing and they're paying the price for it. Like this climate scientists care so much one of them set themselves on fire in front of the Supreme court. Like shit is getting real and they have just become the enemy or like people, you know, you see the, this is going back to the, to the slant of the news. Like you see a headline that's like, you know, Supreme court, uh, approves like whatever legislation or whatever, in a blow to climate activists and it's like it's not just it's not just climate activists it's like the human race like we're looking at a mass extinction event taking place if we don't do something and yesterday you know and but they act like it's this uh what's the word um oh what's the thing in 2001 A Space Odyssey monolith um it's like a monolith of like climate scientists like these hysterical nerds who just like won't stop bitching about the climate and it's like your money won't matter when we're all starving to death um my friend I hate to break it to you it's just like don't look up you know like these fuckers are gonna fly to a different planet and get eaten by a velociraptor. <laughs> But they're going to be like, oh, I'll give you $10,000 if you meet my friend instead. It's like, oh my God, get your priorities straight. Um, you know, th- <laughs> this is what's been fueling me as an artist lately. Is like thinking like, you know, you can get away with a lot in art. Like people were, people were playing with gender and rock and roll since like the 60s, 50s even, you know, like <laughs> you can get away with a lot Rage against the machine. You know, there are still people who listen to their music who completely miss the point. Like, this is what keeps me committed to making art, even though it's really fucking hard because it's like, it is a way to get your point across. Um, and to, to touch the masses in a way that like something like this podcast won't, you know, it's a little bit more subliminal. It's a little bit like sneakier, <laughs> but it's also like, art is really liberating and it's really free, you know, it comes from a subconscious place and that's why it's a threat to fascism because, you know, it's where people can express their truth and also, like, people resonate with that kind of truth, people resonate with artistry and intellectuality, intellectualism, <laughs> is, is also a threat to that. I mean, I remember when I was getting in internet arguments It would... The end of the fight would either be, like, you know, you're just a fucking crybaby liberal snowflake or whatever, or they'd be, like, you're an uppity intellectual. And it's, like, well, thanks. (laughs) I think so, if I do say so myself. (laughs) It's, like, how is that an insult? But there it is right there. It's, like, a threat to fascism. And so they really go after intellectuals and artists, not even to mention the fact that, um, you know, this is why liberal educations are kind of important because you get exposed to, like, this is where you learn, like, real history, you know, this is where you learn how to examine art and see the subconscious, and, like, like, the thing about art is it tells the story of history, like, you through what people are painting, or what kind of films are being made, or what kind of music is being made, you can really see what was going on at the time. And it tells the truth of the story in a way that history taught in schools doesn't always. And um, and it's harder to be closed-minded and to just parrot the beliefs of your parents when you've been exposed to the truth. And I think that's why it's a threat. Because if you learn to critical think, you can't just be a fascist you know like there's a there's an extreme amount of conformity that has to happen um to like side with fascists in this kind of like moment in time you know look at the people if you if you look at like the january 6th you know everybody looks basically the same like and it looks like every trump supporter you've ever met in your life you know there's, an, there's a homogeny there that if you are exposed to critical thinking and, and the arts, if you have like a liberal arts education, I, I'm not saying that it's, it's impossible to continue to be a closed-minded bigot because <laughs> I've definitely seen it happen, but it's harder. Um, obsession with crime and punishment. Under fascist regimes, the police are given almost limitless power to enforce laws The people are often willing to overlook police abuses and even forgo civil liberties in the name of patriotism. This is often a national police force with virtually unlimited power in fascist nations. I mean, I don't even need to talk about that because like point blank period. Rampant cronyism and corruption. Fascist regimes almost always are governed by groups of friends and associates who appoint each other to government position and use governmental power and authority to protect their friends from accountability. It is not uncommon for fascist regimes, in fascist regimes for national resources and even treasures to be appropriated or even outright stolen by government leaders. Again, like pretty clear. Fraudulent elections. Sometimes elections in fascist nations are a complete sham. Other times elections are manipulated by smear campaigns against or even assassination of opponent candidates. Um, use of legislation to control voting numbers or political district boundaries—that's gerrymandering—and manipulation of the media. Fascist nations also typically use their judiciaries to manipulate or control elections, and this is what this is what happened. Um, <laughs> this is what has been happening. Conservatives have been doing a coup, a slow burn coup, for a long time, and I think that Trump was necessary for them to be victorious in the sense that they really needed someone who was going to go in there and like crack skulls and not give a fuck who was also easy to manipulate and like if you dangle a little power or like you know if you if you encourage him that he's going to look good that he's going to be powerful you know (laughs) um he can do he'll do pretty much anything you ask and like I think that's why yeah they needed someone who like who really appealed to their constituency um who was also like a puppet and um and a distraction right like I, the second he was out of there the democrats just like dropped their guard they were like we don't have anyone to scapegoat anymore like we're in power now we have to like you know we won basically so our job is done <laughs> and and meanwhile Look what's happened. You know, this has been a long a long con by the right and I hate to say it but they are a little bit winning as far as like policy is concerned. And you know, I I talk about this all the time but I read that it's something like Republicans would lose 68% of elections if there if it weren't for gerrymandering and like um voter suppression. Like they just aren't, they'll never win the popular vote unless they steal it. And they do. Um, there's someone doing yard work, but we only have 10 minutes left. So bear with me. Um, I can't record in my closet anymore because it takes too much time and because there's bugs in there. So sorry. Um, (laughs) so now I'm going to talk about what, like the traits of a sociopath and how America falls in line with these. So Impulsive behavior, like not thinking about the long term, um, not considering everyone else's point of view, not caring about people who don't have power, not caring about people who don't have anything to offer you. I mean, we've seen this like always, but specifically in regard to like disability politics, marginalized people, the poor, and just like making... Um, Making choices, I mean, is there anything more impulsive than leaning even heavier on oil when climate change is right the fuck there, breathing down our necks? That's impulsivity. That's an issue. Attempt to control others with threats or aggression. Um RuPaul's Drag Race shade noise right there. Using intelligence, charm, or charisma to to manipulate others. I mean, I think this is, like, most evident in the realm of politics, right? Like, we have these faces, these people who, like, either inspire hope or disdain, who either we can triumph or, like, um, really root for or really root against. Like, The show, the the reality TV program of American politics is like exactly this. It's like, pick your team, buy your merch... Have a foam finger for like whether you're red or blue, vote for one of the two, lesser of two evils, vote or die, bonus of your life depends on it. And um, and that's it. Your job is done. <laughs> and if your team wins, good for you. And if your team loses, give the give your team money so they can win better next time. Not learning from mistakes or punishment. Yeah. Um Making the same mistakes over and, over and 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 over again. Lying for personal gain. Yeah, showing a tendency to physical violence and fights. Hmm. Generally superficial relationships. Yapparuni. Sometimes stealing or committing other crimes. Uh huh. Threatening suicide to manipulate without intention to act. I mean, this is hard to like, like um you know, make it fit for like a country. But, um, I think that the, like the threat of this is like using fear, you know, like going to war or like a terrorist attack or, or like maybe radicalizing young white supremacist people who have a fetish for guns. Um, on the internet to go out and murder people in mass um or maybe like throwing your your population to the wolves when there's a global pandemic happening and not supporting anyone besides landlords and cops um Sometimes if using drug or alcohol, drugs or alcohol, I mean, like, again, that's hard to do for a like nation as opposed to an individual. But I will say that I think that, um, you know, the people i if you've ever hung out with a Wall Street bro, uh, you know there's a lot of cooking going on. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the same can be said for politicians. Uh I just think that there is there's a reason why Americans have the reputation we do and I think that like a lack of mental health care a lack of resources a lack of care a lack of like access to anything to like a living wage to to like owning property like for marginalized people needing to convene in cities to feel safer because of the politics like the fact that sun downtowns still exist is like wild you know um there's just an inherent lack of safety and like a constant trauma to living in this country as a marginalized person. And I think that even if you aren't like, even if you are like a cis straight landowning wealthy man, um, there is still the, the specter of generational trauma to deal with. Like there's still familial interpersonal stuff which is also tied to the political stuff. And so I think that we all have issues. I mean, it's just like how people talk about drinking and like partying. Like it is so normalized. (laughs) I mean, you see posts about getting blackout or like, or lines in movies and TV shows where the person is not clearly an alcoholic getting blackout or like, you know, I'm going to get so fucked up. I forget my own name or whatever. (laughs) Like, it's so normalized here. And, you know, while it, it is hard to like pin that on the country, I do think it's related to like the political because like with my members of my family, certain members of them tried to get sober many times. And the only time they were successful was if they were in jail or like in a, like in the hospital and that's because that's those are the only places where they had support where they had consistency where they had stability the second you're out you're having to like hustle to get a job to like pay your rent to live life and life is fucking hard and then they would relapse and like (sighs) so I think that one fits too in a way like it's an it's an individual a seemingly individual problem that really can be explained by a political problem um generally superficial relationships I talked about that lying for personal gain yep Um, trouble with responsibilities and you know I think it's like it's basically impulsivity a lack of follow-through a lack of care and compassion for others a lack of access to empathy and I think that's where the you know the people who are drawn to fascism are people who I think are like heavily narcissistic or sociopathic and that's not to say that all people who like deal with sociopathy are fascists. but I think that you do have it's just like how the incidence of narcissism in internet trolls is really high because you like to have that type of personality to spend your time that way to f- to be able to just like exist in such dark spaces, in such nihilistic spaces, to need to feel better than people, to need to have power over people. Like you have to have a certain kind of personality to like be attracted to that and to even be able to like stay in those types of spaces. You hear people who existed in those spaces like because they were in cells or you know because they grew up with extremely conservative parents or in communities like that or whatever who couldn't stay in those spaces because they were so hateful and rough and ended up finding their way out because they like they couldn't hack it and i think there's something to that and i think they're you know just from experience like once you realize that the problem isn't like a specific party in this country, that the problem is the country itself. The problem is that the people who wrote the document that we consider like the Bible of our politics, the constitution were slave owning genocidal maniacs. They were not good people. They did not have it all figured out and we're just like married to this archaic, uh, idea of what America is and what a government could be and we always see ourselves as these like rebel cowboys like Yosemite Sam firing our pistols in the air or like you know the heroes of the story like the fucking um John Wayne's or <laughs> or whatever like where we see ourselves as the main characters of the world and have a hard time seeing the issues because of that or like if instead of seeing the issues for what they are we blame someone else for them and 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 we fight each other for them and I think that it's okay always to admit when a mistake has been made in fact it's really important for growth and development and um and it's always okay to change courses like it's always okay to to go in a different direction and to realize that something isn't working and capitalism isn't working and like fascist America isn't working historically what happens in a country that lets itself get to this point they end up falling and I remember this I'll close with this (laughs) I remember maybe like six or seven years ago, I was on this kick where I was watching a lot of Noam Chomsky, young Noam Chomsky before he got all wagadoo. Um, and he was talking about how capitalism isn't sustainable, that any nation who like you have like a golden age as a capitalist, like empire, even before the word capitalism existed before the history folks get on my ass, Um, It's still like that type of economic system where you have like a hierarchy based on class. Um, They have like a golden age where it's working really great. And then there's an unraveling where the distance between the rich and the poor gets greater and greater and greater. And the poor get more and more resentful and the rich get more and more spoiled and like more and more greedy and just the hardship and the suffering and the turmoil eventually leads to a toppling, a revolution, a fall. And he, he suggested that, you know, you can either kind of let this play out and, like, pretend it's not going to happen and that somehow your country is greater than all the other countries that have ever existed in history and that it couldn't possibly happen to you, or you can change course You can start taking care of your people. You can stop being so fucking greedy. You can realize that people who need to hoard wealth and hoard resources and hoard power probably have something dysfunctional going on in their brain. And that maybe they aren't the best suited to hold places of power. Maybe they aren't, you know, capable of making generous choices. And just open your mind up to the fact that maybe it's time to try something new. You know, maybe taking care of each other is the way forward. Maybe we don't need unchecked, um, economic growth. Maybe we don't need (laughs) like unconscious consumption, you know, like what's the word, um, compulsive consumption. Maybe what we need is to slow down. Maybe what we need is to rest Maybe what we need is solidarity. Maybe what we need is love. Maybe what we need is gratitude for each other, for existing at this moment in time that the earth hasn't killed us yet, that we can turn things around at any moment. She's so patient with us. My goodness. She gives us everything we need and we could just like live in harmony with her and live in harmony with each other and kumbaya, my Lord. And be grateful that we have a choice still because that won't be the case for much longer and grateful that we have hope um so to end (laughs) this podcast uh I will still kvetch you know I will still develop kvetch's itch like my good friend meshka (laughs) but I'm gonna try to hold on to hope because we need it. You can't keep fighting without hope. You'll just give up. You'll get too tired. Take a break when you need it. Talk to a friend when you need it. Find a therapist if you can. (laughs) And, um, And just stay hopeful. The Walk On Podcast is a production of Walk On Productions. It is written, recorded, hosted, produced, and marketed by yours truly. (laughs) That's right, folks. It's a one-person dog and pony show. If you'd like to help keep us afloat, you can donate on our anchor.fm page. That's anchor.fm backslash Brit-Cannon. You can also go to my website, BritCannon.me, to access lots of other things like the blog that goes along with this podcast my two youtube channels the walk on podcast youtube channel and my personal youtube channel that features my poetry and music you can access the album shiny silver snakes that i made with my good friend Lokomoko. you can find mantra the ep that walk on the theme song to this podcast is part of and you can find flight of the final girl which is my debut poetry collection There's also merch, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, lots of other stuff with the swears on them. (laughs) There are photos, videos... And links to all of the services I offer, including tarot readings, astrology readings, mentorship services, if you'd like some one-on-one consultations outside of the realm of tarot and astrology. And you can also access my self-love course, which is a 30-day journal-centered self-love course that is designed to help you build a deeper friendship and more loving relationship with yourself. There are journal prompts guided meditations, self-care rituals, letter writing assignments, and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Until next time. Bye.